Amen, amen. Thank you so much, um, Aubrey and Abigail, and for Tori, um, and even for Adam, leading in announcements. All, it's all worship. So um, how many of you are grateful to be here this morning? Amen, amen. We got the few, the proud, the faithful. How about you just, uh, can we just greet one another? Um, we got, maybe if, uh, look around the room, just give someone a COVID high five and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Or if you're sitting next to your roommate, you know, you could greet each other with a holy other handshake or hug or something like that. Um, so I, I am super, super grateful um, that we can be here together and that we have um, this opportunity uh, to be with one another. Um, but I, you know, I want to just, just be honest with you this morning. Uh, how many of you, just honestly, you feel tired? You feel really weary? Um, you feel maybe overwhelmed about the lack of control that you have? Um, and you think that so many of the decisions that you've tried to make, the plans that you have crafted, I, I mean, right, no, nothing has gone according to plan. You know, I think it'd be the understatement of the century to say that this past year has been one of dif- difficulty, uh, of unparalleled, unprecedented difficulty even. But I, I think for, uh, for if, if you're like me, sometimes I just feel like, okay, what's the point? I just like, I, I make a decision, I make a plan, but only to have it stripped away, only to have it changed, only to have it tweaked, only to have it thrown out all together. And I don't know about you, but we're approaching Thanksgiving break and talked with a number of different students. It's like, okay, last time we had a longer break, they sent us away, but then they told us not to come back. Those are decisions that are outside of our control. They're outside of our realm. There's so many decisions that are being made all around us that influence and impact us. I don't know about you, but it can leave me, it leaves me often just feeling weary, feeling tired, feeling discouraged. But what I want to do this morning, and what the, the, the word that the Lord has put on my heart from, from Psalm 9, and you can, you can see it here on the screen, I want to talk about, I want to talk, I want to, I want to drill down deep into a well of truth that reveals to us some choices that you and I can make no matter what our circumstances are. And that you and I can make no matter where we're located, no matter what's going on around us. And the power that enables us to make these decisions and these choices actually cannot be taken away from us. And I I call it this way. These are four grace-empowered choices or decisions that you can make this Thanksgiving break that will transform your life. These are four grace-empowered decisions or choices that you can make this Thanksgiving break that will change your life. So if you're not already there, um, I want to invite you to open to Psalm 9. And just by way of reminder, um, uh, Psalm, when we read the Psalms, um, we're actually, this is God's songbook. This is an Old Testament hymnal. This is God's top 150 list. And you know sometimes when you hear a song, and maybe you've heard it before, and you kind of get like a little sneak peek of like, you know, the, the, the story behind the song, right? Like the author, like the, the, the writer, the composer comes out, well, here's what I was thinking when I crafted this song, and here's what was going on in my life. And well, if we could like pull David aside and like, David, um, okay, Scripture calls you the man after God's own heart. Like, tell us a little bit about this, this, this song that you wrote. Like, what's, what's going on here? 
um, some of the things that I think David might say is that, you know, he wanted to kind of give an overarching theme across the kind of a banner over his life and his rule and reign as one of the, as the, the most well-known uh, kings of Israel, as one of the only few that, that were faithful, even though he had huge downfalls. But uh, he, I think he would tell you that, you know, really I wanted, I wanted to stretch this kind of over uh, as, a, as a banner to talk about um, the, the battles in life that I faced as a king, uh, particularly uh, against, you know, the Philistines and particularly that one Philistine, Goliath, you probably remember him. I got a couple other songs about him. Um, and, and, and I think he would tell us, actually, there's a sequel to this song because if you look in your Bible, Psalms 9 and 10 actually go together. So, and actually in the Hebrew, it forms what's called an acrostic, where each stanza begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, a lot of scholars believe that that was uh, a literary device that was employed to aid in memory. Um, and I'm, I'm going to bring that up again a little bit later, that idea of memorizing this psalm. I don't encourage you even to memorize the first two verses uh, uh, together with me. And uh, you know what's, what's amazing here, interesting about Psalm 9, is that it's a psalm of thanksgiving, but Psalm 10 is a psalm of lament. It's a song of lament. And you say, hold on, hold on a second. How, do, how, does psalm, how, does, how does thanksgiving and lament like go together? And what's so interesting about lament um, is that lament, usually a, psalm, a song of lament is, is basically a way that we turn our pain into prayer. It's, and it usually follows four different steps. One, there's a turning. You go vertical with your pain. You're expressing, you're taking your pain, you're going upward to God, and you're declaring it to God. There's a second step where there's this complaining. So there's a turning goes into complaining, where complaining, not sinning, but you're complaining, where you're just being completely, bluntly honest about what's wrong, and what's hard, and what's difficult, and what the evil is, and what, what's going on all around you. That turning, that complaining, then leads to asking. We see this, this, this arise, O Lord, move into action, God. What are you doing? Move into action. I'm asking you to, to, to act on, be, on my behalf. And those that are poor, those that are afflicted, there's a, there's a, there's a passionate, um, reverent asking that leads to the final step of lament of, of trusting. And so if we could kind of wrap this full circle, Psalm 9 begins with thanksgiving, and then Psalm 10 ends with trusting. I mean, we see these go hand in hand in how they work together. So uh, I think what I want to do is, is to actually just focus on the first two verses of Psalm, of Psalm 9. And it says this. Notice the I will statements. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And all of the decisions that you're unable to make and all the things that have been stripped away from you in the midst of the rising anxiety, doubt, fear, and depression, God still gives you grace to choose. You still have at least, among many others, four grace-empowered decisions that you can make this Thanksgiving break that will transform your life. 
And so let's look at the first one together. I like to maybe summarize this. We like, we like, we like uh, um, acronyms, right, you know, at, at Northwestern. So if, uh, it, so I like to call these my GEDs, my grace and power decisions that I can make uh, every single day. And I want to encourage you to begin making them today and over Thanksgiving break. And, and, I, and I promise you, I promise you this, I'm convinced of this, that it'll transform your life. Even in the matter of a week, you will start to see notably, tangibly, a change, that if you really apply these things and you lean in and cooperate with God's grace. So the first one is this, you can give thanks to the Lord. And I love it, it says you can give thanks to the Lord, not just haphazardly, not just kind of off to the side a little bit, not just, well, I thank you, Lord, for this food, amen, let's eat. I love that it's wholeheartedly. You can give thanks to the Lord with your whole heart. See, I think revelation and thanksgiving go hand in hand. That whenever God reveals himself, which he has especially done through his inspired word, and which he beautifully does in this psalm of thanksgiving, thanksgiving is a fitting response. The more you know God, the more thankful you ought to become. The psalmist here, as as it's David, he's talking about a kind of thanksgiving, though, that holds nothing back. It exercises no restraint, no holds barred, uninhibited, and exuberant. I love Charles Spurgeon commenting on this, says that if ever our heart is whole or wholly occupied with one thing, it should be when we are praising or thanking the Lord. So what does wholehearted thanksgiving look like? Well, I think to wholly express thanksgiving, we ought to do it holistically, which we can be, I think can be seen at least in three different dimensions. I don't have time to outline all of this in this psalm, but we can see this, that we can look back, we can look around, and we can look forward. Number one, we look back. We reflect on what God has done, which by the way, that's the second choice, but we'll get there in a moment. We, as we look back and remember what God has done, that fills our heart with thanksgiving. We can look around, pay attention to what's happening in this present moment and circumstance, and notice how God is at work in your life. Thanksgiving not only fuels our appreciation for what God has done, but it fosters awe over what God is doing and how we get to be participants in it. In fact, um, I told you to take a look around right now just to see who's here. You're grateful. I said, how many of you are grateful to be here, right? So you just express thanksgiving. Some of you raised your hand. Some of you, maybe you're still waking up. Um, but can, let, can we just do this right now? Um, uh, what are you thankful for? Look around right now this room. Look around your life right now and just say, you know what? I'm thankful for fill in the blank. Let's just hear from a couple of you. What are you thankful for? Thankful that I woke up today. Okay, amen. Thankful for good friends. Absolutely. What else? Say that again. That you're rid of it? Yeah. So, okay. So, the, so the, the, you're rid of the coronavirus. So you had it? You were tested? Okay. And you're done with it. All right. Awesome. Praise God that you recovered. Thank you for healing, for recovery from illness. What else? Being on campus, right? I mean, let's be honest. I, I, know, these, I know these things are just <laughs> a nuisance, right? But I'm thankful. Thankful we still get to be here. Thankful that I even have access to like a cool one like this that cinches in the back and 
you know, and has the side benefits like we were talking about earlier, like it spares you from my coffee breath and you don't have, you don't have to tell like, you know, what I ate for breakfast in the morning, you know. So there's, there's other things, you know, side benefits to be thankful for these masks. Okay, thankful that we're here. How about just a couple more? This room's, this side of the room's been a little quiet. What are you thankful for? Laughter. Laughter, amen. Okay, absolutely. Especially when you get to laugh at yourself, which I like to do very often, right? Well, what else? Fun classes. Amen. Amen. I was hoping to say fun chapels, but that's okay. That's another point. No, I'm just kidding. What else? Family. 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 I want to ask you a question. What if when you woke up tomorrow, you only had what you were thankful for today? What if when you woke up tomorrow, you only had what you were thankful for today? There are so many things, beloved, that we take for granted. How many of us wouldn't wake up because we didn't thank God for the very air that we can breathe? How many of us would wake up and we would be outside somewhere in the cold because we're not thankful for the dorm that we have or the home that we live in or for the bed we sleep in. How many of us would wake up being alone because we weren't thankful for the people that God has brought in my life for good friends and that what if you only had tomorrow what you were thankful for today? Look around. There is so much there to be thankful for. But we also need to look forward. Not only we look back, look around, look forward, but we, we refresh the living hope that we have that Jesus is our victor and that he is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. God's faithfulness fuels our thankfulness. I like, to, I, like to illustrate it, I like to illustrate it this way. One of my favorite psalms on Thanksgiving actually comes from actually another psalm of lament, to believe it or not. It's Psalm 6930. Here's what it says. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song. Oh, hold on. You're going to hear that again in just a moment. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You see, here's what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving is like a lens that we look through to see how good and great God really is. I like to illustrate it this way, that that there are two types of magnification. There's microscope magnifying and there's telescope magnifying. The ones, uh, the, the one makes a small thing look bigger than it is and the other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it actually is. So when David says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving, he doesn't mean I'm going to take a small God look bigger than he actually is. He means I'm going to make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. As one pastor summed it up this way, we're not called to be microscopes, but telescopes. Christians are not called to be um, con men who magnify their product out of, out of all proportion, proportion to reality when they know the competitor's product is far superior. There is nothing and nobody superior to God, and so the calling of those who love God is to make his greatness begin to look as great as it really is. But how many of you, if you're honest, we tend to take a microscope to our circumstances, to other people, to ourselves, rather than taking a telescope to God. Thanksgiving is like taking a telescope and it's magnifying God so that we begin to see him as big as he really is and so that we do not see God through the lens of our circumstances, but we see our circumstances through the lens of God's goodness and his greatness. 
So I want to I encourage you, apply this. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Wake up every single morning for the next week. Literally do this and write down three to seven things that you're grateful for. Three to seven, not a lot. Three to seven things that you're grateful for. And here's how I want to encourage you to do it. I want you to, I want to encourage you to actually write it out. Like whether you write it out in a journal, if that's your thing, whether you type it on your phone, whether you post it on your Instagram feed, whatever it is, write out three to seven things that you are thankful for. And you can express Thanksgiving this way. You can say, God, I thank you that you have, looking back. Thanking God for the past um, and even current things conveys gratitude. But I would also look forward. God, I thank you that you can. When you thank God for things that he's promised to do that he has not yet to do, that fuels our faith and our hope and our expectation. So thank God holistically. And let me, I, I promise you, when I did, I, I, I was like, okay, sure, sure. Okay, I'm going to write down Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. I did that every day for seven days, and I picked seven things. Every morning I woke up, I wrote those things down. And let me tell you what, it completely changed, changed my perspective. The things that annoyed me, the things that were my pet peeves, actually became opportunities for prayer. I began to see people and circumstances through a whole different lens. So I wake up every morning for the next week and write down, three to seven things that you are thankful for. Here's decision number two. Choice number two. There it is. You can remember all of God's wonderful works. You can, I love how the psalm says, psalm says, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. The idea here is to intentionally refresh in your mind what God has done in your life. I love how David says this. He says in verse 3, when my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever. The enemy that came to an end in everlasting ruins, their cities you rooted out, the very memory of them has perished. I was reminded recently when I read those verses as I was studying this psalm that I I can remember this fact when I look at all of the evil around me and all of the wickedness and all of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the brokenness and all of the unrest and everything, all of the evil, I can remember that evil has an expiration date. And let me tell you what, that gets me, I'm grateful for that. That I, remembering and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Like take time to remember Great moments in your life with God. What are your milestones? Remember them, celebrate them, communicate them, share them. So often we forget, though I think, what we should remember and we remember what we should forget. The psalm is saying we need to flip that. And I love how the nation of Israel would do this, that they would often construct tangible and visible signs of their great moments in order to help them remember the wonderful works of God. And you, you think of, they would uh, battle uh, against foreign nations, and, and I love this in 2 in, in, in Samuel, and uh, the prophet Samuel actually raises up a stone, an Ebenezer, a stone of help as a, as a monument of remembrance. I love when the, the, in, in Joshua, when the, they crossed over to the promised land, again on dry ground across the Jordan River, they took 12 stones from the Jordan River and they made a monument as a tangible reminder Remember, and I love it. Notice that it says this, I will remember all of your wonderful deeds. Okay, my goodness, we're going to be doing this for all of eternity. We will never exhaust God's wonderful deeds. John, I love John, the Apostle John, says that Jesus did at the end of his, 
of his, of his gospel said Jesus did many, many works than these. I suppose that if all of them were to be written, the world could not contain the books that would have to be composed, that have to be written. I will remember all of your wonderful deeds. And let me ask you this. If, are you feeling discouraged this morning? Are you feeling down, depressed, anxious? If you're feeling discouraged, it's because you've lost perspective. Remembering what God has done is a proven pathway to help you regain that perspective. Remembering is like shining a light that pierces the darkness of our discouragement and it lifts our head to see the Lord at work all around us and within us. So here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone. Some of you already have it out. Take out your phone. I, I said I want to encourage you to apply the Thanksgiving by waking up every morning and writing three to seven things down, right? Here's what I want you to do. Set a timer on your phone in the evening. What time you go to bed? Maybe it's nine o'clock. Maybe it's 9.30. Maybe it's 10 o'clock. Whatever it is. Set a timer on your phone literally right now to repeat every day for the next seven days and say this, remember all of the works of God. Or just say, remember what God has done. Or you can write down, you can remember all of God's wonderful works. Do it right now. Because I know I'll tell you, I'll invite you to do it, and you'll leave here and you won't, because you get occupied with other things. That not, I'm human, I'll do that too. So and I'm, I, I saved not doing this because I'm going to do it with you to give you the adequate time. Even you ever watching online right now, uh, if, you're, if, you, you, if, you're, if you're paying attention, I want to encourage you right now, pull out your phone, pull out your calendar, whatever it is, and write down every day a reminder for the next seven days before you go to bed at night to prayerfully remember what God has done during that day and to thank him for it. All right, I'm seeing some faces now, or at least the top half of your faces. Did you do it? You got some yes? Okay, yeah? Awesome, awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited after Thanksgiving to hear about some of these things, okay? I'm going to ask you, ask me about this, okay? Um, like I said, these aren't just cute little ideas. These decisions will literally transform your life, I promise you. I've experienced it. I have been experiencing it. And I'm sharing these with you because I'm convinced that I need them more than anyone else in this room. Here's the, here's the second, or the third. I can't even count. Pray for me. Third decision is this. You can be glad and exult in Christ. David says, I will be glad and exult in you. That we must always seek to contrast the uncertainty of our circumstances with the certainty and the unchanging character of God. In other words, in verse 7 we need to have a, but the Lord sits enthroned forever in our hearts. You could say, you know what, God, right now, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next semester. I don't know what, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. God, what am I supposed to do? My parents are heading towards a divorce, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. God, I don't think this relationship right now is honoring you. I think I need to break up with this person, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. God, my major is a complete mess and I have no idea why I'm here and what I'm doing and I don't know what, what classes I should even take next semester. But the Lord sits enthroned 
forever. God, I don't know what to do. My, 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 my grandma was just diagnosed with cancer and I thought I was going to see her, but now I can't because I could. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. We need that but the Lord sits enthroned forever. We always need to contrast the, 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 the uncertainty of our circumstances with the unchanging character of God. And I, I want to encourage you, take time to look through Psalm 9. And how does Psalm 9 reveal to us who God is and what he's like? We see that he's worthy and wholehearted and worthy of wholehearted thanksgiving, verses 1 and 11. That he is God most high and worthy of glad exaltation and songs of praise, verses 2 and 11. He confounds our enemies and executes righteous judgment, verses 3 and 4 and 7 and 8. He rebukes and, and ends the wicked evil as an expiration date, verses 5 and 6 and 15 through 17. He is our stronghold in times of trouble, verse 9. He is worthy and desires to be known. He will not forsake those who seek him, verse 10. He is enthroned forever before his people, remembering the cry of the afflicted and the needy, verses 12 and 13. He is gracious when we call on him. He lifts us up from death, verse 12. He gives us joy in his salvation. He is the hope of the poor, verses 14 and 18. Aren't you glad that you can seek the Lord and know his name? Aren't you glad that he will never forsake those who seek you? You can be glad no matter what your circumstance is if your gaze is upon God. Fix your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. May God be the windshield that you look through as you are traveling down the road of your life. Not your little rear view mirror or your side view mirror. Don't, don't just glance at God when it's convenient. When it, let your gaze be upon God. And when you do that, you will be glad. You can be glad. You can have an abiding joy when you gaze upon God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Craft a series of personal theology statements to help you remember who God is in your life and how theology is personal. I love how the Psalms it never just says that, you know, God is a, you know, one of my favorite versions, of, uh, examples of this is Psalm 27, one of my favorite Psalms. David doesn't write, the Lord is a light and a salvation. He writes, the Lord is my light and my salvation. There's a big difference between writing those two. Saying the Lord is a light, he is salvation, between saying the Lord is my light and my salvation. So who is God to you and how does that personally intersect with your life? I have a series about a dozen of those that I review on a daily basis. I want to encourage you, write those down. And and here's the format that I use. I say, my God, my God is sovereign. And then I have a therefore. My God is sovereign. Therefore, every detail of my life is underneath his gracious control and loving authority. My God is all wise. Therefore, he always knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And I can trust him for all of life's decisions. My God is graciously accepting. Therefore, I don't have to earn his approval, but I can receive it as a free gift, and I can rest in the humble confidence that I am his beloved child. My God is all-powerful. Therefore, there is no circumstance or person or situation upon which he cannot bring his change and transformation. Who is God to you? Make it personal. Find a way to gaze upon God. Open up his word. And do it with others. And then here's the last. GED. Grace-empowered decision. Or a choice that you can make this Thanksgiving break that will transform your life. You can sing praises to the Most High. You can sing praises 
to the Most High. David says, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Music, no doubt, is one of the most powerful modes of communication. Remember, Psalm 9 was a song. This is something David sung. This is something the people of Israel, this would have been on a Friday praise chapel. Psalm 9, that's my jam, leads into Psalm 10. It's like that sweet sequel. We don't have time to even get into Psalm 10, but I encourage you, read them together, study them together, memorize them together. Music makes truth stick, and it's one of the most effective ways to hide the Word of God in our hearts. I love in how David puts this in verse 11. He says, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. So in singing, we elevate what we love and we declare what we most value. I love the old adage that he who sings prays twice. So I want to encourage you, pray, sing. When you sing songs, pray. When you show up to chapel on this Friday, which I'm grateful that we can still do that. And we have one of our student teams from the Worship Arts Collective lead us. We're not just making, no, we're, we're not just singing songs. We're, pray, we're praying to God. We're communing with the Most High. Um, we're singing praise to the name of the Most High God. Let's not take that for granted. And music was a vital component of ancient Hebrew worship. I mentioned before the book of Psalms could rightly be considered the original Old Testament uh, hymnal. Chapters were written in poetic form and often sung as part of Israel's worship and celebration. And all of this, how many have ever heard a song on a radio or there's a certain song and, and it, you align that with a season in your life and it, and it brings about different memories? It helps you remember um, songs and music and, and remembrance is a key theme in the psalm and in this one, Right? as we just looked at. And you know what? That's what, so, so I, I love almost the, the appearance of a random order of the Psalms that it seems to shift from one theme to the next because I think it reflects intentionally by God's design the dynamic unpredictability of our life and it meets us with a sincere and honest relevancy wherever, wherever we find ourselves. So just as life can have one joyous moment and then flow even sometimes suddenly and, 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 uh, and even surprisingly to a really sad, difficult moment the next, God has a psalm. He had a psalm for every season in the life of Israel, and he has a song for every season in your life. And so here's how I want to invite you to put this into practice. To not only begin praying through the psalms, but also curate your own worship playlist for Thanksgiving break. That when you're going to battle, that worship is your warfare. So as you open up Psalm 9 and 10, even on your Spotify account or whatever it is, your iTunes, whatever, however you listen to music, Curate your own worship set list that you're going to go to over Thanksgiving break. And so here, in review, your GEDs, your grace-empowered decisions that you can make over Thanksgiving break that will transform your life, how are you going to put these into practice? And I want to encourage you to do that and, and take this to heart, these applicational opportunities, and I invite you to make these GEDs with me this next week and even beyond Thanksgiving break so that when we come back, I trust that we will, that we're going to have a lot to talk about with one another. We're going to have a lot of fuel of Thanksgiving, a lot of good remembering to do. We're going to have a lot of gladness and joy to celebrate. We're going to have some new songs on our hearts to sing. Would you stand with me as, as we close? Father in heaven, God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you with my whole heart 
for this time and for these students. All those that are in this room and those who are attending virtually, all those that are eating or sleeping or commuting or doing homework, God, I want to thank you for this campus. I want to thank you for this community of faith. And Father, even as, I look, even as I look around the room right now, I can just remember conversations. I can remember moments of your power at work in the lives of these students in my life as a student here. God, there's so much that you have done. God, I'm overwhelmed by your faithfulness and your power and your grace and your mercy. And God, I, I choose right now to be glad, that I can be glad as we set our eyes upon you, as we fix our, our heart's gaze upon the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm excited to sing. I'm excited to sing some songs together this Friday, but even beyond that, into this Thanksgiving break. I'm excited that we can worship you. I'm grateful that we can worship you. And Lord, I pray that for each of us, myself, first and foremost, because I'm convinced I need these decisions and these grace-empowered choices more than anyone else in this room. But Lord, help us to do this together and take this to heart that we would actually experience transformation further into the likeness of the one who saved us, which is Jesus, our most high God, in whose name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Go in his grace. We'll see you back on Friday. Have a great rest of your day.